Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you're listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Just, it's Erev Rosh Hashanah, tomorrow night's Rosh Hashanah, um, unless you're listening in uh, America, in, in New York City, and then it's uh, a night and a half. But anyway, um, so... Don't leave your computer set to Israel News Talk Radio today because everything wonderful, everything you need to know, all that spiritual uplifting, it's all findable. And today's show, it's really such an honor to be with you. Thank you to those of you who are listening in live. um, I'm grateful. Very, very nice. And please share the show with others. Those listening on podcast, thank you. And I hope that together we can prepare, ready ourselves, and reap the glorious blessing that heaven has to bestow upon us together as we plod along in this messy, beautiful, wonderful, God-kissed life. Today's show, um, I haven't decided what we're ultimately going to call it on the uh, on the page when it'll go up into podcast form, but I think we might call it What Not to Pray For. Say what, Andrea? What do you mean, what not to pray for? That's a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of something to whet your appetites. However, we must start. Anybody who's looking at this new, unblemished, pristine year, this open canvas that lays before us and thinks to himself, thinks to herself, I'm a mess. I wouldn't have the chutzpah, the gall, the temerity to ask heaven for anything. I tell you, this is your time. This is your time to stand up and say, I may not be worthy but I am blessable. I am blessable because I was created in your image. Do not decide for yourself what God has not decided for you. If we are alive, if we are here, we are all participants. We've all heard the mashal, the parable about the cobbler, the shoemaker who's working late into the night by the stub, the flickering flame of a remaining stub of candle. And a passerby passes, goes by the window and seeing the bent over cobbler late at night by the stub of a candlelight. And the passerby says to him, old man, what are you doing? It is bedtime. Renew yourself, rejuvenate. Isn't it too late to be working? And the cobbler looks at him and says, as long as the flame flickers, there is time to do more. This week, oh boy, oh boy. You know, I've, I've shared with you time and time again that I'm a big podcast fan. And much to my husband's horror, I listen to murder mysteries just a lot. I just love it. Sometimes I'll sit down at dinner and say, is this safe to eat? And I say, 
take a chance. Okay, so I listen to all this stuff, and it is entertainment, entertainment, quite bleak uh, by some standards. Nevertheless, I'll listen to scandals, American scandals, uh, stories of greed. Why this fascinates me so, I can't tell you. Is it a source of pride? Something we're working on. And as we inch our way closer and closer to these days of awe, I have deleted all of those podcasts, all of those tales of crime and grime. And I find myself listening to various Torah podcasts, listening to stories of the month of Elul, listening to life lessons and inspirational guidance for the days that are leading up to Rosh Hashanah. And of course, I will be listening to many for Yom Kippur and Sukkot and the days. And I'm asking you, friends, to do the same. As you're folding laundry, preparing dinner, making beds, driving carpool, There is so much out there. The candle is flickering, 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 flickering. And I'm just rattling off the top of my head. There are beautiful podcasts available on Eisha Torah, on Or Sameach, on Torah Anytime, on Naale, and on and on. If you have a favorite Rebbe, a favorite Rebbetzin, a favorite teacher, a favorite topic, my gosh, to use the magical internet for something that is holy and to inspire, to help us cleanse ourselves. It's all there. If you need, and if there's time, if my candle is flickering, if you need a little bit of, just don't make it long-winded, drop me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and... I'll send you the name and, you know, I'll send you the name. I'll send you a couple of sites that you can just in these days, just a little bit to inspire and light your fire. What not to pray for? Ah, okay. Very often we tend to have a Goyish, a non-Jewish, or let us say people of the world attitude towards prayer a heaven-hell kind of idea that if I don't get my prayers right, I'm doomed, doomed to destruction. Not true. Heard a lovely Shior Torah talk this week. I believe it was Rabbi Akiva Tatz. Uh, very high level, okay? I'm, I'm definitely the kid that sits in the back of the room. Um, doodling on the page. Nevertheless, something jumped out at me and he says, this is not the time when we walk into shul, to synagogue, or we stand and open up our machzorim, our Rosh Hashanah prayer books. We don't sit, even though it is our time, the king is in the field and he's here to hear our bakashot, our requests, just as in any position, with any um, arena where there's a hierarchy. You don't walk into the boss's office and say, you know, I've been working here all year 
and I've been a good employee or I've been a bad employee. Or I've been a so-so employee. And but I looked at my contract and it's time for me to get a company car and I'd like a clothing allowance and I'd like a little addition to my vacation pay. Not that you're not entitled to the new car, the vacation allowance, the clothing allowance, or whatever it is, transportation help. But what do you do? Do you know you even have a job next year? Do you know that you are that valued as an employee? So what do we do? We say to the boss, I like this company. I like my fellow workers. I'm happy to be a part of this program. We step forward and we say, it's good, I'm grateful. Can you please keep me on? There's the request. Will I still have a desk? Will my name still appear on the company roster? And then we ask for the clothing allowance, the car whatever it may be. Saw a beautiful, beautiful, um, uh, um, a, a lovely story, and I'm gonna try to say it really super duper fast. A guy, a peasant, his whole life, he dreams. He dreams about taking a train. He's heard about trains, he's seen the trains, but he's never been on a train. And he goes to the station master and he says, I'd like to buy a ticket on the train, the best seat possible what is it and the ticket master says to him first birth first car beautiful there's food there's a wash basin uh there's service there's a bed it's beautiful for you and he says great and the next day he goes to get on the train and he's never been on the train and he sees a whole bunch of people dressed like him jumping onto the train and they're all jumping into the back into the cattle car and he doesn't know any better so with his first class ticket in his pocket he sits in the cattle car and the train is chugging along and in it are cows and sheep and pigs and there's all kinds of defecation and all kinds of noise and all kinds of filth and he's riding along and riding along and riding along and finally the conductor comes through and says tickets, tickets and nobody has a ticket except for him and with each one who shows that he doesn't have a ticket, they're unceremoniously pushed off the train, pushed off the train pushed off the train, and the conductor comes to the peasant who's hiding under a bale of hay and says, can I see your ticket? And he shows him this first-class ticket, and he says, what are you doing here? In the schmutz, in the grime, in the filth, you're entitled to first class. And he says, but I didn't know. Let me go now. I'll go to my berth. And the conductor says to him, it's too late. This ticket tells you to get off at the next stop. We are alive. We are vibrant. We are imbued with holiness and we have that first class ticket by merit of our pure holy souls. But we're sitting in the schmutz in the schmutz of cyberspace, in the schmutz of gossip, in the schmutz of Hollywood. Let's hand in our tickets and ride first class into the year ahead. My name's Andrea Simintov, and I'll see you on the other side.
Oklahoma experiences minor earthquakes each year, some more serious than others. Early warning can reduce damages, including damages from fires, health hazards, financial losses, and insurance payments. An Israeli company called Seismic AI is working on high-precision earthquake alert systems to help avoid businesses being disrupted and reduce damage. The disaster preparedness solutions could potentially save billions for businesses and public organizations by leveraging proprietary seismic algorithms. The system covers the full earthquake early warning cycle from monitoring and reporting through alerts to triggering automated preventive actions. The Seismic AI emergency alert system has been deployed worldwide. The company partners with universities and civil organizations to save lives and infrastructure could help you and your family stay safe. For more information on the high-tech world today, visit IsraelTechTalk.com. With your INTR Tech Minute, I'm Bob Ayala. We're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm looking through my notes here. You know, I take all these notes, and um, I always love, you know, I love the Torah stuff much more. And there's a lot of schmutzy. I have notes about things going on in the world, but are we going to waste our time today talking about some of the things that are annoying me? in Israel. I'm just looking here. Yeah, so this is like a little bit sad. Just a little bit of a note. A note I came across that Israeli academics and artists are asking United States President Joe Biden not to meet with Netanyahu at the United Nations. I think he's scheduled to go there. When are they supposed to go there? Very, very soon. He's supposed to address Uh, the UN General Assembly, and I'm just thinking about, we don't need our enemies. We're doing a very, very good job ourselves. But guess what? The candle is burning. There is time. There's so much time to pray. The other thing I did want to, the only thing that is, let me just see here. Oh, yeah, here. Hold on. You see, the show is very real. See the papers? Preparation, preparation. Okay. You should be frightening. I'm doing this show today without eyeglasses. Um, One thing that is concerning, and yet, what is our attitude? Is anything new? Is anything new under the sun? Wasn't that what we asked? Um, When we asked on Tisha B'Av, apparently this year, crazy around the world i can understand it but this year armed guards mamish security companies have been hired to protect all synagogues in yerushalayim all of the shuls in jerusalem for the upcoming uh yomim norim the high holy days due to an uptick in don't you like that word an uptick an uptick in terror attacks Um, And this is really the first time ever that there's going to be an armed guard stationed outside every single Beit Knesset in Jerusalem, every single synagogue, as part of the preparations for these these high holy days. And because they have reputable reports that just lately there were 19 attacks just in the last few weeks. And um, but what we don't read in the news is that over 30 attacks were thwarted oy vavoy how sad how sad i guess we'll talk more about it over it and the last few weeks i'm just thinking to be a cop or to be the mother of a cop 
very, very stressful. After the last few weeks, police have been working nonstop to secure. Imagine, we take it for granted. People will be going to the Kotel Hamaravi, the, the um, Western Wall. And we see it and we say, oh, it's crowded. We wave to our friends. The level of security that is required there is truly unprecedented and in most cases, invisible. It's going to be traffic congestion and um, a lot of police presence. So take it for what it is. All right. Uh, Let me just see. Let me just do a little computer arranging here. We've got it. Good. So beginnings. We've talked very often on this show how we are so blessed. Who was it? I told you once that I had this client, friend, a client, who says he finds prayer so difficult, so boring, so monotonous. And I must admit, despite my chipper attitude, I get it. I sometimes feel it. There's days where the prayers are weighty and they pull you down and you think, am I getting through? Is God hearing me? Am I worthy of being heard? That's how present I am. And yet other days I find myself along in my prayers. Those are the days that I can pull myself up to do it. And I think, how did I get here? Did I say Shema Yisrael? Did I say my morning blessings? Did I say Ashrei? Suddenly you're at the end of the prayers and your mind was everywhere else, including the new television series you've been watching. And yet, we are being afforded this opportunity again. In a world of reward and punishment and scales that so rarely balance, we are being given without even buying a ticket we're being given this opportunity to talk straight to the front office are we going to squander this opportunity what a gift what a blessing but instead of hanging our heads in shame We raise our heads up and say, sure, sure, my turn, my turn, my turn. What is so amazing about Rosh Hashanah? First of all, let's take a look at the Jewish New Year versus the not Jewish New Year. We don't have the same PR as old Lang Syne. Dropping the ball. We don't drop a ball in Times Square. We don't have stars coming out in scantily clothing, in scantily, in scanty clothing. Scantily dressed, scantily clothing. I wanted to use that word, scanty. How did I do? Um, We don't have drinking in the streets, gross revelry, wild abandon, and painful painful resolutions, most of which are broken within 48 hours of being made. There seems to be a madcap human element to the secular new year. And I must tell you, so many of us who profess to be Torah observant fall into the groove 
equally. Our new year is a time of gratitude and reflection. It's new beginnings. The cycle has continued. And once again, we stand here. Rosh Hashanah. There are spiritual forces at work right now. We say, Hakol Holech Achar Rosh. Everything goes after the beginning. The entire course of any process, any of us in business, is determined by the beginning, a strong beginning, because the beginning is the time of conception. Conception represents laying down genes, which are a blueprint for everything that is built later. later. So this spiritual rule is that the closer to the moment of conception, i.e. now, the more potent and critical are the forces at play. You know, a small injury, according to Rabbi Tetz, just love these shears this week, uh, you know, a, a small injury to the human body, it may not be of major significance to an adult. But a fetus during development, it could be a cataclysmic event. Any minute change to the genes, some of you know this very well from personal experience, can have the most far-reaching results. So at the moment of conception, all conception, Details are being coded. Think now. We're at this critical moment. No subsequent moment can ever have the intensity and significance of the first moment. This flash of conception, this flash of purity as we stand literally at the gates of bracha, the gates of blessing. This is the moment that contains everything. Everything that comes later is just simply building on, in fact, a revelation of what was created during that very first flash. Rosh Hashanah is a conception of the year. And these next 10 days are kind of our gestation period. This is why these days are so critical to the year ahead. The candle burns, the candle flickers. This is why all of us are judged for the entire year as we appear on Rosh Hashanah. It's not only about the food, the challah, the teglach, the honey cake. Change on Rosh Hashanah is actually much easier because no one can manipulate the genes of our character. People who have spiritual knowledge, we... We, they, take extreme care to be as perfect as possible on Rosh Hashanah. The year is being conceived. There are those who have a custom not to sleep during at least the morning hours. They want to lay down the genes of the year of consciousness, not oblivion. What is the source of this special energy? According to Rabbi Tatz, the first Rosh Hashanah ever which of course has to represent true nature, was the day of creation of man. On that day of creation, that was the world's first Rosh Hashanah. And the climactic event was the creation of what? Ben Adam, the human being. This is why this day will always retain the power to recreate man. 
when we genuinely and intensely decide to elevate our personalities on Rosh Hashanah, we hope that we become inspired to live the entire coming year as higher beings, a tad more elevated. We're using this day's deeply rooted energy as a day of human creation. The day has the power to energize us. Real change is possible. We can become unrecognizably different. We'll talk about more, this more, on the other side. Warning. Take cover. The Jewish Truth Bomb is here. The show that will explode all the false narratives and fake news. Join host Lenny Goldberg each week as he wires the news together and detonates it through biblical verses that will deliver a shockwave that will blow you away. Don't miss it. The Jewish Truth Bomb. Every Monday. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Andrea Simintov on Pull Up a Chair, Israel, Newstalkradio.com, the place to be, our Erev Rosh Hashanah show. Always an honest, always an honor, always an honest. Was that Freudian? That would be good. Yes. Always honest, always an honor. Not sure how always honest, but I try, I try. Um, someone said something to me. Recently, well, let me say it this way: My mother, you know, may she, may she, may she, may she prosper, may she continue many, many years of health and health and nachas, nachat from her family. We're actually going to talk about nachat soon, but she used to sing this song. I think it was a vaudevillian song um, or an early Broadway song, and some of you know it. It says, "We." Belong to a mutual admiration society, my baby and me. The mutual admiration society. Who are we choosing to have in our orbit? Who are we deciding to admire and hopefully be admired in return? And um, a message to some of you, and in particular a very dear friend of mine, I want to say to her that, A, I'm always grateful to be in her orbit, and we can't always choose the music. Somebody sent this to me, and I thought about her. You know, we can't always choose the music that life plays for us, but we can choose how to dance to it. So I thought that was sort of a fun message for all of us, in particular, my dear friend, who is so grateful to be my friend, and guess what? I'm grateful to be, but she's mine, so (laughs) stick a dish. 
All right. So we've been talking about that special energy. <sighs> of course, this whole show talks about everything as it should be, ideally. Okay? Anybody want to come over and clean my house today? Let me know. So Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, being lived correctly, remember, it's not the day of trepidation. It's not the day of fear. Tomorrow night, we begin a 49-hour period of expectation, of, yes, holy, light-basked assumptions. We're supercharged. We are aroused with energy so that the rest of the year can be lived the same way. Not as a continuation, sort of like a battery that depletes. We'll be supercharged this time, but then we'll, we hope we have enough battery remaining, enough, uh, what is it, we, enough power in the cell phone, so that when we get to the end of August next year, prior to next year's Rosh Hashanah, we still have a little bit of beep, 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 beep left. No, 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 no. It's constantly renewed. There's a spark to where we're holding now. With a spark, we can create a flame. It needs oxygen. It needs to be fed. It needs to be coddled and protected in order to create a new blaze. Always. That's called chayim. Life. There's a mystical idea. I think that this was, yeah, I also came across this this week. Don't ask me sources now. I'll have to do it after the holiday. But anyway, I came across this idea that being alive today, um, because one was alive yesterday, is called dying. Being really alive means that one's life is generated today, not as a passive result of the past, but as an explosion of newness. Now, always. You know, we call Hebrew Lashon Kodesh, the holy language, because it is so rife. It's not language noise. I can't find. Sometimes there's things we have to say in Hebrew because English just won't cut it. Doesn't quite carry the nuance, the breadth, the depth, the richness of what we want to say. You know, there's a simple mundane idea of a person arriving from some previous place, and that's expressed in common Hebrew um, as a transition from, like, nothingness to somethingness. Um, I'm trying to think. It says, you know, uh, to his present state, it says, um, something from nothing. In other words, the spiritual grasp of this moment is that it is relative to the previous moment as, a, as compared to nothingness. That is what is new. From this moment to the next, the explosion, the pizzutsa is so great there's not even a translation for it. This is what we're striving to be, to generate a new inner life continually. Our father, 
Abraham, Avraham Avinu, he says to himself, let me read this. He says, the Anuchi Afar Efer, and I am dust and ashes. The Torah doesn't repeat itself. The Torah doesn't have superfluous words. The Torah is telling us something. It's not poetry. Every nuance has infinite meaning. What is the meaning of dust and ashes? I loved learning this. Are you as excited as I am? This is the idea. Ashes. What happens? I go camping. Some of you make backyard barbecues. Ashes. When something is burned, burned, burned down to ash, what is left? The bare elements. Just the bare elements. That's all that remains. The dust of the earth, however, is the rich soil in which growth takes place. Those of you who garden, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I see that there are instances where you're encouraged to sprinkle ash over the dust as you propagate new plant life. Avraham, who was indeed the embodiment of newness, of being the father, the founder of the Jewish people, he forged an entire new way of living, but it wasn't one-dimensional. It wasn't just of dust. It wasn't just of ash. He saw himself as constantly incinerating what he has become that day, that moment, in order to use the elements as soil for new growth again. And again, and again, no element of his development is allowed to continue passively here today because it was here yesterday. All of his being, the existence of Avraham, is distilled into a memory which is the nucleus for new birth. That is the power of chidush. Self-generating newness, the source of spiritual life and growth. How can we change? How can we take the ashes and the dust of yesterday, of this morning, of five minutes ago, and change? Create Jewish resolutions. Jewish new attitudes, Jewish rebuilding, reforming, re-inceptioning ourselves for the new year. You know, for some of us, deciding that this year we're going to be more compassionate, we're going to be more considerate, we're going to be more empathetic. Sometimes it's so easy for others. My husband and I were discussing every morning this week with every day as we get closer and closer. It wasn't a program, I promise you. We're not that emotionally organized. And yet we found ourselves over coffee every morning sharing how we were altered the previous day, the day before. And for both of us, we were confessing 
where our negative assumptions were shattered and we were taken to new understandings, new recognitions, and new levels of compassion. And all of it had to do with people, people we had judged one way and were so grateful to have been given a glimpse over the past weeks of different aspects of other human beings, people who we assumed were arrogant and haughty, who were suffering, suffering from heartache, suffering from poverty, suffering from ill health, suffering from fears. And we were called upon to exhibit greater compassion than came naturally. This month, Elul, Anil, Dodivi, Dodili, is indeed the month of compassion and forgiveness. And we have a little time left. The candle is burning. There's a spiritual force at play. And it's there for every one of us to use. There's time before we open the machsor, we open up that prayer book. There is time for every one of us listening and growing together, you and me included, to find that part within ourselves that's genuinely compassionate. For some of us, for some of you listening in, it's going to be much, much harder. I'm sorry. You can do it. It's there. You are not without compassion despite it not being easy. Some of us have grown so hard, so immune to the porousness that surrounds us. However, I'd like to suggest a first step to get us on the road, on the roll. And that, st that starts with finding a teaspoon of compassion for ourselves. Say what? How do you bless others if you're not blessing, bless worthy? We could start today, today, the candle's burning, to treat our body more kindly by not denying it what it really needs by not replacing the kindness and the, the attention it needs by filling it with junk, by eating our feelings. The way we treat our souls can be even less compassionate. Rabbi Rebetzin Geller Gottlieb, Heller Gottlieb, reminds us, reminds me that our soul is beautiful, beautiful by a matter of course. None of you have a soul that is stained. If you feel that, then you're denying God. Your soul is God. Your soul is beautiful, according to Rebetzin Heller. It's full of light, it's eternal. And it finds expression through your body. Let's treat our bodies well today. 
There are 13 attributes of mercy that God revealed to us when he forgave us for the building of the golden calf. Look it up. It's not for today's show. But what do these 13 attributes reveal? They reveal that the core, the core of what human beings can grasp in God's relationship to us is available. The first two attributes of mercy, they invoke God's name twice. It says, Hashem, Hashem. You remember that before Avraham, that split second before he is to shecht, to take the life of his beloved son, Yitzchak, a voice calls out from heaven and shouts out, Avraham, Avraham. God did not develop a speech impediment. There was no stutter in heaven. There is a picture of every one of us in heaven. Imagine it. The eternal museum. And there's a portrait of me and a portrait of you. Magnificent portrait. How God created us in that germ of life, in that initial conception of us at our perfection. It's there. It's waiting for us. At that moment, Avraham matched the heavenly portrait that hung in heaven. It was a match. When it's called out, God, God, God's image does not change. We have an opportunity to work toward appearing more as that beautiful portrait of who we can be that hangs in the heavenly sphere. God's compassion, Hashem, Hashem, it doesn't change. Not for any of us. And even though he created a perfect world with perfect people in it and ended up with the world as you see it, his compassion and his love for his flawed, oh, so flawed creations remains. Remains is unchanged. Now, so we can ask, hello, Andrea. There are so many things that are pointing in the other direction. This is a very holy show. But come on. I say to you this. Everything was created to celebrate God's goodness. When that becomes your pole star to say, when that becomes your entire reason for living, it doesn't matter what they say on the news. It doesn't matter what's happening in Hollywood or on the streets of San Francisco or New York. When we know that we have listeners from South Africa, from Kenya, I've been on safari. When I go on safari, I recognize that everything has a purpose. When I've been camping 
by the sea. Those of you who have enjoyed nature, who love to hike, who can sit in your backyards or on your patios on a beautiful summer evening, listening to the chirps of either crickets or the crazed noise of cicadas. We take that moment and we understand there is so much that is not known. Anyone who's been to the aquarium here in Eilat, it's all so beautiful. It's all some, so complex and it's not a mistake. It all has a purpose. And if we don't know the purpose of everything beautiful that exists around us, it doesn't mean let's check our arrogance by the door. It means that we just have more work to do. Of all God's complex creations, either for the glory or either for the sadness, we are the most complex of all. He gave us the ability to make choices. What does that mean? Some of them are going to be bad choices. So when we, enc- when we encounter these, these painful situations, these difficult situations, we can ask ourselves, well, listen, I'm not God. I don't know. So I made a mistake. But there's always a question that's available to us. And that's the Rosh Hashanah question. And the question is, how can I take this moment, this flickering candle moment, just this moment, and make things better? How can I align my compassion? How can I align my humanity? And how can I align my holiness with what God wants? This is the glorious, precious loving opportunity that we are being granted tomorrow night. On Rosh Hashanah, we stand in judgment before our Creator. But listen, guys, we're not just passive defendants standing, standing in the, uh, not the witness, table, what are you, the defendant's box, awaiting the verdict. Remember, that's not what Rosh Hashanah is about. It's standing, it's checking our sins, checking our perceived notions of personal filth, personal undeservedness. Leave it at the door. We dress, we stand, we know we're holy because we were created. I once read a line, it was from... It was either Langston Hughes or James Baldwin. And it was a beautiful piece of dialogue. And in the end, a little girl says, God, don't make no garbage. Take that to heart. We have a liberty. We have an opportunity. We've got the first class pass. Submit the requests. We can make suggestions. We can even make demands of our heavenly judge. This is the time, this is the day to pray for life and health, prosperity, wisdom, family, national stability, an end to anti-Semitism. We can ask, we must ask 
Oh, please, friends, ask for redemption, peace, meaningful success. A word about the shofar. We forgot to mention the shofar. We will not blow the shofar on Friday night and Shabbos day because it's Shabbos. And nothing, nothing supersedes Shabbat, the holy Shabbat. Came across a lovely description of what we are supposed to hear. Remember, it's not bad music. It's not an alternative bagpipe. When we listen well, when we listen smart, it goes through our ears, into our hearts, envelops our souls. What is it that the chauffeur is telling us? It's telling us to remember. Remember the patriarchs. Remember the matriarchs who search for authenticity, who search for God. Help them establish the three tefillot, the three prayer services we do each day. Shacharit, Mincha, Mariv. The voice of King David, whose psalms bring the myriad human emotions to our prayer every day. The shofar serves to remind us of all those scholars, the Torah giants, who shaped our prayers, the voices of Jews across millennia, who were unable to recognize, to realize their dreams for the future, who never envisioned an Eretz Israel. They're counting on us. Above everything else, the shofar hands us on a golden platter the voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Holy One, blessed be He, telling us His dreams for our people, the challenges of our times that are still to be met, not by someone else, by me. By you, you know, and if we listen just carefully enough, we'll hear in those chauffeur blasts what's going on in our own hearts. We will not be able to ignore the things that are most important to us deep down, the guidance of our lives, what is most important. On Rosh Hashanah, the chauffeur has to be sounded, of course. Equally important, it must be heard. Whether or not this happens is entirely dependent on each one of us. That mitzvah, the commandment, and remember, a commandment is not an order. It's just a poor translation. The commandment means the opportunity. The mitzvah, the opportunity of tekiat shofar, blowing the shofar, demands 
that we be sensitive to the shifting moments of the days. We have to be, what is a word, passionate in our prayers, and yet contemplative, thoughtful in our consideration of what we're praying for. Because only if we both sound and hear the shofar will we be able to achieve those goals that we place in front of us, this Rosh Hashanah. I'm blessing. I'm blessing all of you as I bless me and mine. May we be blessed with his abundant mercy. May both our communal and personal prayers storm the gates of heaven. Let's pray for one another even as we pray for ourselves. May we be showered with his compassion, robust health, material comfort, nachat, deep, deep satisfaction, delight, enjoyment, sipuk from our children, and indeed, unrevealed miracles in the year that lies ahead. Shabbat Shalom, Umivorach, and Shana Tova Umituka from Jerusalem. <laughs>